On Halftime, the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego from Fordiegos.com for auction your car, car auction this Saturday. And when it comes to talking the world game here on Halftime, we only do it with Carlos Alberto Diego, unless he's on annual leave, and then we do it with someone else. But until that time, and sometimes yeah. that's Warren, and we know you guys don't get on with each other, and that's fine. No, it's it's, bro- it's brotherly, brotherly love. love, yeah, brotherly love. Uh, you know, did you used to get each other in headlocks and stuff? Oh yeah, just you know, he's, he's a bit of a ranger too. Yeah. So uh, you know, you do the old, you know, the mucking up of the hair and uh, you know the spitting in the ear and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's all brotherly stuff. Is he the only redheaded Diego? <laughs> Yeah, well, that, uh, you know, everyone's a Diego. There's a bit of Diego in everyone. No, there is. Exactly. So you've got to realise there's a lot of people out there who are Diego's uh, uh, and uh, and they've got a little bit of us in them. And, yeah. uh, and of course, they've been listening and loving their world football. So I'm pretty sure there's some red-headed Diego's out there. Every Wednesday night between 11 and midnight, you can catch the four Diego's here on 11 at 16. SEN, Carlos, uh, the big topic of the day at the moment, of the last couple of days actually, is the fact that Australia finally has representation. We haven't had it for a long time in the Club Champions Cup or the World Cup, yep. the Club World Cup, yep. uh, the FIFA Club World Cup. And I think South Melbourne were our last team to, to represent Australia in that competition. We've finally got a team there in the West Sydney Wanderers, and the chances are they may not step out on the park unless the management of the West Sydney Wanderers say, all right, boys, we're going to give you just a little bit more cash yep. than what we're promising you at this point in time. Are they being greedy or is it, be, or is it a fair request? Well, of course, uh, you know, for those people out there, West Sydney Wanderers uh, qualified for the Club World Cup uh, uh, this season because they won the Asian Champions League. I think everyone in sport, anyone who loved their sport in Australia would know that this team did it against all odds. Uh, they've got a fantastic story, only three years old, and uh, so there's a lot of backstory here for this team. Yep. And, uh, of course, they won through, and in the riches of the Club World Cup, um, uh, there's big money just to even get there. It's, I think, $1.2 million if you're... If you, you know, qualify past your first game. You know, there's a increment to about four million dollars. I, I don't have the figures in front of me, but yeah. I mean, it just increments right up to about six million if you win it. And uh, and of course, you know, these days we don't have a lot of the threats for strike action uh, and um, and and teams. You know, especially national teams taking it to the brink and just before a big international saying we'll go and strike if we don't get a good pay deal because we had a lot of that in the past. If you if you remember, yeah, many yeah, many yeah, soccer yeah. teams <laughs> before big games would be using that as a as a leverage to try and get a better deal. And it was uh, it's almost as um, you know people talk about the certainty of de- death and taxes. Well, you know, a soccer is striking before a, a World Cup uh, international for many many uh, games yep. uh, was a certainty too. Uh, so we hadn't had it for a while because the people PFA and the FFA and the clubs had come together with this collective bargaining agreement and they ticked off the A-League, which is great. Everyone agrees to that. They ticked off the Asian Champions League, but what they either forgot or they deliberately did it, who knows, but they didn't address if a team qualifies for the Club World Cup. And because of that reason, nothing was in writing. And so, therefore, the club has offered... Uh, an amount that the cl- that the players aren't satisfied with, and of course that Which amount is ten percent, I believe. Ten percent for appearing, 
And uh, whatever the prize money they receive for the whole tournament, the players will get ten percent. No, no, no. If they just appear, they turn up and play their first game, and, and don't get any further, they get it's ten percent of uh, one point two million. And then uh, if they win their first game against Cruz Azul uh, on I think December the thirteenth, they're playing that game. Uh, I think uh, the prize money for qualifying past that first game, I, I believe it's four point eight million, but I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Uh, and suddenly it's twenty five percent of that. So the actual percentages. Uh, the increments of the percentages go, increase every time they win a game. And, of course, uh, you know, if they win against the Mexican team, they, they'll play Real Madrid. And if they qualify, if they, you know, beat Real Madrid, which will be, you know, who knows? I mean, that's yeah. just one of those things that just would never happen. <laughs> uh, if, they, if they did beat them, um, you know, again, it's a, it's a bigger uh, cake to, to split up. And you've got the uh, the higher percentage there, okay. and of course, you go, I think it's forty percent, and then it's fifty percent if they win the whole thing. So, I mean, that's fifty cent, fifty cent of six million. So the incentive is there okay. if they believe they can win. Now, well, uh, the players are saying, "Well, hang on, we got fifty percent of the Asian club, yeah. the Asian Champions League money. Yeah. This is an extension of that tournament. The fact that we won that means that we're in this tournament. So that deal mm. should then carry over into this tournament but, because, yeah. by theory, it's the same tournament, just a different name. Well, it's not. It, it, technically, it's not the same tournament. Well, it, well, it, it, they've it is, qualified for that tournament by winning that tournament, so it, it, it is an extension of. Well, it's not the it's not the Club World Asian Cup, right? It's the Club World Cup. It's a different tournament. Semantics. Oh, it's, I think in technical or in legal terms, in a collective bargaining agreement, you've got to be really, really. Specific, and that's what the big issue here is. Uh, in a, in a court of law, they wouldn't be able to argue it's the same tournament. I mean, they are in um, in uh, good faith uh, saying that it is. But they wouldn't have made the tournament if they didn't win the. It's true, but it it really doesn't matter. It's not the same. It, 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 I can a, understand in, if in it's a totally sense. different tournament that you don't yeah. qualify for. But the fact that they've qualified for it by winning yeah. the Asian Champions League for me means it's just an extension of that agreement. It'd have to be. Well, surely. I mean, if if it was that simple, it would have been in writing. And, well, no, uh, because the club we understand will be fairly dogmatic and. Yeah, of course, absolutely, and this is where the problem is. I think uh, the club's got its point of view, and the players have got their point of view. It should never have got to this. So it's no, correct. For, for me, the, both both parties are at fault that it's got to this point. It's an embarrassing conversation to have. Um, you know, they'll be playing Real Madrid if they beat the Mexicans, and there's a big chance that they could beat the Mexicans. So, I mean, suddenly they're playing Real Madrid, and we're complaining about the amount of money you're going to play your players. Uh, but we find ourselves in this situation here, and I think it's incumbent on the club. Uh, knowing what these players have done for the club over the last three years, knowing how the brand of the of the of the club has just gone through the roof because of the performances of the players, I think there's got to be some goodwill here, and and the club's got to be at least sitting down with these players. I think part of the issue here is that the club refuses, from what we've been told, the club refuses to sit down to show respect to these players. And refuse to sit down and even discuss it with them. Which is wrong. Totally wrong. Totally disrespectful. And if you want to make sure that you bury your relationship with players from now on... You go about it the right way. You you actually do it. You you go ahead and do what you're doing at the moment. So whoever's making this decision not to sit down with players and not talk about a 20% cut, give them something... Uh, to make sure that they're on board and then you sort, the, sort out the technicalities of it later. Yep. 
I, I think it's a huge, huge issue. But I'd love to hear what our listeners have got to say on this one because it took me a while to sort of think, well, whose fault is this? And, you know, should the players be, you know, really demanding and on, you know, on the brink of a really big game, you know, when, when the, the name of the Sydney, uh, West Sydney Wanderers and Australian football and Asian football is going to be on the world stage, should you be demanding those things right now? So it got me thinking about, is it the players' fault? But then I'm thinking, well, you know, with the salary cap, I mean, these players have got to go... This is their career. This is not just a game for them. It's a career. They've got to look after their families. In many of these cases, a lot of these players were on the scrap heap three years ago. They've worked their way into a professional situation where they've got themselves... But there's no guarantee that they're going to be at that club next Correct. year or even in the A-League. They, they have to, with a salary cap, they have to be able to earn... As, uh, maximise their earnings to, to as high as they possibly can because I don't know when it's going to be over for them. Does this go in the salary cap? I don't believe any, so. Any prize money? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. This is, uh, uh, look, uh, again, I, I, I'm not quite sure, but I don't believe so. But the fact that there's a restraint in the fact that they've got to operate under a salary cap and they've agreed to that for the benefit of the, of the sport and suddenly, you know, when it comes to these bonuses out, that might be outside mm-hmm. the salary cap, the club's not coming to the party. I think, you know... From my point of view, there's got to be some goodwill, and it 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 doesn't have to be written down for a club to understand that we need to work together with these guys because they've brought the club to this point. Paul Litterer, who's a new a new owner, of course they bought the club from the FFA for ten million, um, uh, what six months ago, and uh, Paul Litterer is a wealthy wealthy man himself. He spent ten million, and they're saying the value of that club because of what they did in the Asian Champions League has doubled in six months. So suddenly, you know, you know where is the goodwill? Yeah, yeah. Now, but I'd love to hear what our listeners have got to say on this one because, again, it took me a while to work it out. You might be a union man, you might be anti-union, but I'd, I'd love to love to hear what people have got to say about it. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. I'm getting hit pretty hard in regards to my qualification theory. Yeah. Uh, you qualify for the Asian Cup by winning the A League. Does that mean the yeah. Asian Cup is an extension of the A League? Well, it sort of is to an extent. Well, it's not, you, not in the collective bargaining agreement. No, it's not recognised the same thing. It's, it's a, it's, it's but if legally. you play in a tournament because you won something else, you should automatically, I would have thought, that it just means it's an extension of. No, I mean, dif- different organisation runs the Club World Cup, uh, like the a- FFA run the A-League, Asian Champion, uh, AFC run the Asian Champions League, FIFA run the Club World Cup, three different competitions, Tone. Now... I understand you qualify for each one by winning each one, but that doesn't mean it's the same competition. No, 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 but the rules of engagement should be the same, I would have thought, because it's sort of an extension of. Well, legally, obviously, it's not, because no. uh, there's, uh, the club technically can stand by what they're doing. So when we're talking about 10%, that's a split up between all the players. Yeah, there's 20 players in the squad and $120,000. So split, all get and then with tax, they're talking about... Five only grand, walk, six grand each. Well, with, you know, they're talking about they're on 50% tax rate, a lot of these players. So they're talking about get, coming home with $2,500, you know, uh, when the club is making one point two, And the club's turned around and saying, well, we're, we're investing that one point two into our academies, into our facilities, into junior programs, Indigenous programs, so forth. But surely the club wouldn't have been budgeting on Mm. qualifying for the Club World Cup before they start putting those things in place. You know, for me, that's just an excuse by the club to say that, um, that you know, we're not putting it in This is a bonus for everyone. Well, look, I think you've got to look after the people 
first, especially, I mean, the goodwill comes from the fact it's not in writing, but we'll look after you yeah. anyway. But you're right. The club would never yeah. have thought they'd make it. No. The players would never have thought they'd make it. So what they get from this point on is a bonus for everyone. So it's totally different. Yeah. Rules and for the, for the club to say that we budgeted this amount to, to go into academies and Indigenous yeah. programs and stuff like that, well, you know, that's just a furphy for me because uh, they wouldn't have, you know, they wouldn't have... Uh, uh, run those programs just on the back of qualifying for the Club World Cup. They would have had those on the drawing board anyway. They would have funded it some other way. And how about the full houses that West Sydney Wanderers uh, fans give them every week? I mean, you know, you're talking about having to build a bigger stadium there. That's all about what the players have done over the last three years. And I know it's not in writing, so technically they can stand mm. by what they're doing, but where's the goodwill? Where's the working together? Especially in this situation where you're damaging the name of your club and the sport and the Asian and Australian federations. That's the big issue here. And uh, I'm really disappointed that it hasn't been able to at least come to some sort of uh, compromise in the meantime until they get it sorted out, hopefully after the Club World Cup. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. your thoughts on that and anything else in the world of soccer? Give us a yell, nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Twenty past one, we'll take a break. Back with more Carlos Alberto Diego in just a tick. There's a couple of ways we could have gone, and, and, and you'd have to name such a, such a large number of players, I guess. And uh, you know, realistically, um, you know, could have kept it to around the 30 mark. We're still a month out from the tournament, which means that you know, if there are injuries in between, uh, we can only call a player, you know, on players who are selected today. But it was definitely, a, a, you know, from my perspective, uh, putting in the public domain that all these guys are being watched. That's the reality. They have now been watched. I'm just making it public, and hopefully. It, it inspires some of them and, and motivates them to, to take the game to another level. There's Ange Postacoglu on the run home from Monday. Reasons for picking a 46-man Socceroo squad for the upcoming Asian Cup. Just before we get into that, Carlos, a couple of SMSs and also a call as well. Joe from Altona says, Carlos, you're wrong. These players are getting their normal match payment as per their contract. Prize money is for the club to decide best where that's to be spent. Uh, they've been offered 10% bonus plus their match payment. Sounds reasonable to me. That's from Joe Daltona. But the issue there is uh, I don't think Joe's entirely correct because uh, the uh, the money from the Asian Champions League was outside their normal match payments too. But so that precedent's was in, been set. Yeah, it's in the collective bargaining yeah. agreement. They get 50% of that. So I think that the problem here, Joe, is that they, they actually, the precedent has been set and they obviously have received 50% of those Match uh, that, that bonus uh, of the, of the uh, prize of the the, the money that yeah. they got for winning it, and uh, and now they're being offered ten percent, and uh, you know I think a lot of the problem here is the fact that the club even refuses to sit down with them and have a chat about it, and I think the disrespect that that's shown has really got the players mm. and the PFA's back up. Yeah, uh, when you know when they're feeling that they had a lot to do with it, okay. Um, and suddenly you're not even going to sit down and talk to us when we're yeah. supposed to be all part of the same club. Silly. I think that has led to this real stonewall and almost an aggressive um, sort of approach by the players. And this is, uh, and I think that could have been solved if you just sat down and said, okay, guys, we understand it wasn't in the collective bargaining agreement. That was an oversight. Okay, instead of 10%, you want 50 Well, let's go for 20 you know? And on this 20, one here, just to keep the goodwill like going... With the blokes who are on the ground representing your club, because they're the ones that have built the yep. brand. 
if you you know i mean i'm not saying that you know, everyone else at the club has done nothing of course everyone's done something but the players in, in the in the immediate sense, have, have built your brand from yep. what they've done in the last three years. Totally agree. And Ange has said to me, hey, Shebex, do the AFL players get anything on top for playing international rules? Please, mate, talk some sense. Well, Ange, they do get a match payment, which is outside their normal, regular club payment. So I think they probably, I think from what I remember, they got around about five grand each for playing yep. in the game. But there is no prize money, Ange. So I am talking sense because... They're not going to get an extra $20,000 each if they win the game because there ain't that prize money there. So, yeah, they do get something extra, an extra match payment that they wouldn't normally get, but that's end of story. That's all there is on offer. I suppose it's human nature too. If you're part of a club and suddenly there's a, you know there's $1.2 million you know, prize money on the table and you're playing in that and the club's saying, well, we're not going to get any, you're not going to get any of it or only 10%, it's human nature to say, hang on, don't I deserve more than that? And that's what the problem here is. They're not even talking to them to work it, work something out. Um, you know, ten percent seems a ridiculously low amount, but um, but I'm sure a discussion would have maybe explained the club's point of view better, and they could have come up with some sort of a, another compromise. Michael out at Yarraville joins us. G'day, Michael. G'day, fellas. With uh, this Western Sydney situation, uh, what I see quite clearly is the amateurish way of doing things in soccer is. Uh, very loud and clear in my eyes, mate, but um, I just have to see. However, the, re- the reason my call, guys, is um, for a very long time, the NSL just was a disaster, only because it was a run problem. Now it's starting to get a bit better organised, better managed. The results speak for themselves. I wonder what's happening at FFB level. The amount of money they raise through registration and fines and all other things. Where is all that money going? We're talking about millions of dollars. You don't see it invested anywhere. Even the referees, the clubs have to pay for themselves for the, for the referees. Where's the money going? Well, you'd have to speak, Michael, uh, you'd have to speak to people from the FF, FFV to, to be able to give you an audit of how they're spending the money. Uh, you know, there's always, oh, look, ever since I was a kid, people have been complaining about the state association. It, and it's not only in Victoria, it's all over. Every state association uh, criticised uh, and, and from everything from not seemingly doing anything to wasting money, charging too much for their programs, all that sort of stuff. So it's really accurately answer that question, Michael. You need someone from the FFV on and they could talk to you about what projects they're doing. And I'm pretty sure that they are doing stuff out there. I mean, I know that they've got that Knox facility, uh, you know, that they built uh, a number of years ago. So I'm sure a lot of the money might be, you know, paying that off. Uh, but, you know, look, the FFV do a lot of work in the, in the, in the grassroots community. They do a lot of work in schools. Uh, a lot of these... A lot of these programs aren't seen by people, but uh, they they need to be staffed. They need to be funded. Um, and but you know the millions of dollars you're talking about, Michael. I don't have that that information in front of me, so we'd probably need to get someone from the FFV to talk about it. Adrian from Lower Templestowe joins us. Good day, Adrian. Yeah, look, I've been listening to your program, and uh, I've got this theory, and that is uh, whether you're a boss or a president of a club or AFL, it's in their best interest to look after their players or mm. workers because you'd be surprised what sort of results you get when you get looked after, mate. Absolutely. Adrian, you know, I, I was, in my working life, I was once part of a, uh, a union action, once. And before that, I didn't really care too much about it because I wasn't really interested in it. But uh, one thing, you know, in one uh, union action, I was affected in one way, so I decided to get on board and get with the collective, and I got really angry 
you know, with the way the employers were uh, were treating me, and it did change my relationship with the employers for many years after that. So, I agree. I think sometimes you've got to look beyond, you know, um, look at the bigger picture. Make sure that uh, you do. You know, of course, you you can't sort of bend over to to accept everything that the the players or your employees want. But uh, but you you seem to be negotiating. You seem to be trying to be fair, and I think people will respect that if you sit down with them. But this, you know, from what I'm hearing, the West Sydney Wanderers owners and uh, and the management won't sit down with the players to discuss any of it. And if they don't, they won't play. The players have said that, haven't they? Oh, they'll, they'll end up playing, you but reckon? there'll be a. A really bad taste in their mouth, I reckon. Really, I mean, they, it'll linger. It'll linger badly, and it will be almost irreparable. I think if they if they have to play, the chances of them getting a win in the A League may even drop even further. Oh uh, well, no, but I think it's just you know the way the way the players have and, and the coaching staff there at West Sydney Wanderers have dealt with every obstacle since day one, and they've really been a collective. I mean, these things divide the collective. Mm. This sort of stuff. And uh, and and you know some players take it more take it uh, harder than others, and suddenly it starts fractur- it starts fracturing the actual unit that you're trying to build. Going to take another break, Carlos. When we do come back, we're going to talk about that 46 man provisional squad, and also Timmy Kale. Please be set to come back to Australia very soon. We'll find out shortly. 23 to 2 here on 11 16 as you can tell you Shebeki filling in for Daniel Harford Carlos Alberto Diego from the Four Diego's in the studio with me and Carlos uh, 46 man squad will they yep. will they all get a chance to train together or will that be actually <laughs> cut down now to a, another number No December the 30th it'll be cut in half uh, the reason why Ange has picked such a big squad you just don't know what's going to happen between now and uh, and then you know 3 or 4 weeks time when he's got to cut that squad to 23 with injuries and you know other things that go wrong I do like his reasoning before though in the grad that we heard where he said mm. I just want these blokes to know that they're yeah. all being watched yeah. and now they know they're on the radar yeah. let's see what they do in the next and, 3 or 4 yeah, weeks and kids like Danny De Silva and uh, yeah. Josh Risden and these sort of guys I mean the fact that Josh Risden has even been considered is enough for him to be motivated to, he won't make the Asian Cup squad, but he will then say, well, listen, I'm within 20 players of maybe making some of the World Cup qualifiers for Russia, which is sort of mid-next year. So, uh, And Danny De Silva, I mean, he's, he's a boy that needs to be encouraged. He's, a, he's an attacking midfielder that impressed a lot of people. He's, he's, a, he's actually signed with AS Roma, and he is a AS Roma player. He's just loaned to Perth at the moment, getting regular game time for Perth. I mean, those... What this does for them is an immense, yeah. is an immense thing. So uh, I love that. Um, you know, 46 men, people say, well, why so many? Uh, well, look, you know, I think you just put it, you give yourself every opportunity yep. uh, by having every sort of base covered as far as playing positions concerned. But I would only think that ultimately there might have been two or three places that are up for grabs, really. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I, I love the fact that he's included Reese Williams, even though Reese has just only recently got back from a year out. He always seems to be out injured, Reese Williams, but he's a great player. Uh, and, you know, whether he gets picked as, a, as a, a squad player, well, that remains to be seen. But they do have problems in defence. And uh, he might say, you know, stuff this, I'm going I'm to uh, get this guy in. And uh, if he gives me, you know, one game in the group stages yeah. and he's training right through and maybe if we make, you know, when we make the quali- uh, the, cut, um, the uh, knockout stages, we start playing him more regularly and get him warmed into it, that might be a way of doing it. People are actually calling for Tommy Rogic 
to because uh, he's just started training again yeah. now after this horrendous groin problem he's had for the last twelve months or so. People are even calling for him to be included, but uh, I'm glad that they haven't. That that's extra pressure he doesn't need. Let's get him get his body right, and then we can worry about Russia 2018 with him. Were there any uh, surprise exclusions or inclusions for you? I think the confirmation that uh, Luke Wilkshire wasn't uh, selected mm. in the 46 man squad, and he's playing, you know, um, Eredivisie. Uh, with Feyenoord regularly, um, for him not to be picked, he, the, the red line's been put through him. Stamped. Which, absolutely. Uh, there is some suggestion that he that he didn't behave all that well in the World Cup camp, and that's why he got you know he got cut uh, at that time when he was cut. So um, you know maybe Angie's just saying, yeah, he could probably add a little bit to us, but he's not going to make us win the Asian Cup. And why would I need a person who I'm not who might not be fully on board with what I'm talking about in this squad with these young players? And inclusions? Any surprises? Uh, no, no. I mean, everyone everyone that's been included uh, is, is, a, de- is yep. a decent player. I mean, yep. I'm not saying they all de- deserve to be in the 23-man squad, but in that 46, there's no one I'm saying, oh, you know, he's a yep. bad player, he shouldn't be in there. All of them des- deserve to be in a 46-man squad. Uh, the the 23-man squad will be really interesting, I reckon, uh, given that Jason Davidson's still not playing for his club. We had his dad in on uh, on Monday, Alan Davidson, talking about it, and he was uh, saying that uh, that he's doing a lot of training there, he's extra training, he's uh, at a club with a lot of internationals, it's tough to break in, he's probably not fully ready for the EPL, you know, strength-wise and, and, uh, and power-wise, mm. and so he's working on that. But whether Ange, that, if that's enough for him to still make the squad, I think, as is Beige, given that he's playing regularly in Turkey will probably take that left back spot in that first game uh, but you know the, Jason hasn't been playing so you know is that enough to still make the squad given that he had a decent World Cup uh, in Brazil I was really spewing that I wasn't here on Monday for the Alan Davis interview he was one of my favourite players in the NSL yeah no he's fantastic I, I remember my first uh, NSL game that my dad took me to uh, was uh, South Melbourne and Brisbane Lions at okay. Middle Park yep and uh, I was like maybe 14, 15 years old or something like that. And, uh, and I remember being on the outer side there at Middle Park and Alan Davidson was playing at left back on the other side of the ground, on the grandstand side at there at Middle Park. And there was a huge crowd. And Malcolm McDonald was playing for South Melbourne, the, uh, the old Arsenal player. Yeah. And, uh, and there was a couple of guest players for Brisbane Lions. So there was a big crowd on the day and the best player on the park by a mile was Alan Davidson uh, running up and down that wing and... Uh, um, just a terrific player, and, and so you keep an eye on a quality player like that. And again, a, a bloke who was picked up by Brian Clough, the great Brian Clough from Nottingham Forest, one of the greatest managers you know, Britain's ever seen, and some might argue in the top handful in the world, uh, decided on a, on a tour of Australia that he was the player that he was going to sign. I mean, this guy didn't muck around. No. Uh, so uh, obviously he was a quality player and one of our greats. Yeah, certainly was. Uh, the confirmation that AS Roma, the third team in the trio for that uh, the International Champions Cup, uh, a great trio, great trio. Well, Real Madrid, Manchester City, and now AS Roma. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of like it's... Uh, I mean, people talk about, oh, AS Roma is probably not as big as, say, an AC Milan or in Australia's eyes. Sorry, in Italy, they're a big club. Uh, and on, in Europe, they're a big club too. But I suppose by way of success... Uh, you know, over the last 15 years, people look at you know teams like Inter Milan, AC Milan, Juventus, these sort of clubs. But AS AS Roma are a fantastic pedigree, fantastic history of that club. In fact, uh, when they were announced, uh, when I heard about it today, I went, uh, I just went to this photo that my dad gave me many, many years ago when I was a kid of when AS Roma came to Australia in 1966, and they actually played 
at uh, at Olympic Park, the old mm-hmm. Olympic Park, yep. and you know. You know, uh, the capacity of Olympic Park may would have been maybe twenty five thousand, maybe thirty thousand, or something like that. Uh, that's really packed out. That would have been really yeah, good. yeah. But uh, but this, if you get a, if you Google it now and just say you know AS Roma tour of Victoria nineteen sixty six, you'll see this photo of uh, a thirty seven thousand strong crowd. In fact, there were so many of them; they're actually uh, up. Right next to the bylines, right up to the, right up to wow. the, the the perimeter of the of the of the of the ground, and they're all in you know these supporters were all you know sitting right next to the ground, right around it. It was almost like a park game in that respect. Jeez. But thirty seven thousand people came to that game, and uh, and uh, yeah, they played a couple of games in Victoria, and it just so were the good old days when the big teams come and all the communities used to go. And uh, I remember Dad used to sort of talk about that time, and uh, and he, when he showed me the photo, I've always kept it. And uh, yeah, I Google it before, and it's, yeah, it's on the web, so you get a chance to have a look at it. I'm tipping uh, AS Roma won the two games. Yeah, they did, but it wasn't as easy as uh, some of the touring sides had uh, in those days. Uh, I think it was four two in the first game in front of thirty seven thousand, and the second game was fifteen thousand or so, and they only won one nil. So uh, you know, the big uh, the big sort of accusation in those times, and up until very recently, that these clubs come here for a holiday, mm. and so um, you know. You know, it depends on the day if they felt like it. If they got off the beach there at South Melbourne and uh, and got their gear on and played football and whether they were up for it, you know, you might get some of the locals, uh, yeah, you know, playing the games of their lives. And I think that's what happened against uh, them in '66. Just before we go to a break, Jim in Templestowe, good day, Jim. Hey boys, uh, AS Roma. I think your fine was forty-four thousand. Forty-four thousand was it, Jim? Yeah, yeah. I, I was there that day. Oh, good on you, Jimmy. Where were you standing, Jimmy? On the line, right on line. You couldn't even move. Every the crowd was like they couldn't even throw the ball in. <laughs> they had yeah. And I was lucky. I was right in front, uh, near the goals, near Swan Street. Yep. Uh, with a mate of mine, we got in front, and honestly, uh, forty-four. You'll find if you ask Dad. Well, check it. Yeah, find it's about forty-four thousand people. So, and Jim, right. when, when you came into the ground, how did I mean? Did they make a decision that you can get onto the onto the athletics track right next to the ground uh, because it, it was just uh, too many people. Too many yeah. people. The people did it. They couldn't do a thing about it. Okay, so you guys, what you just just jumped over the fence and yeah. decided to. Okay, so that wasn't organised that way, was it? No, it wasn't. No, okay. no way in the world. And there were hundreds of buses because you didn't have all those tennis courts across the road. Yep, yep. And I'd say seriously, I'd say there'd be over a hundred buses from all over Australia, all over the country. Uh, you know, from Bendigo, from everywhere. Now, Jim, if uh, if Victoria had a beaten AS Roma, were you ready to sing a Riverdetti Roma? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Well, apparently the Victorians went two one up in that first game. Did when they was, really? Yeah, they went two one up, and one of the one of the goal scorers was one of my favourite players in the old state league. Would you believe for Footscray JUST, Frank Michich, who was a great player, and uh, he was one of the scorers there. So it would have been, a, you know, in those days these guys are part timers working in yeah. factories, all you know, all over the place. Uh, came over as migrants to raise their family. Football was just a part time thing they were doing, just a hobby. And suddenly they find themselves playing in front of forty four thousand people against AS Roma wow. for their state. What a fantastic moment that would have been! Amazing story for sure. Take a break, Carlos. Back with more in a sec. We've had a couple of requests for that photo, Carlos, to be put up on Twitter. So we've got uh, the R and D department, Frankie Dottori, working on that as we speak. So uh, that'll be on our Twitter account very, very soon. 
all the, uh, the the spectators basically right up. They were the goal net. <laughs> yeah, they were, and it's good. To, I mean, they these days they would have been running on the pitch, but it, you know, as far as Jim was saying that they were all orderly, they yeah. decided to jump the fence because it was Fences. just getting too crowded. Could have got it. Could have had another Hillsborough. We could have if we had yeah. big fences and stuff. So uh, no, they were all orderly and uh, well behaved in those days. Now a lot of people seem to think on the SMS that you're a Liverpool supporter. I'm so, not, no, no. Well, Warren Diego is a Liverpool supporter. I've got to say, I have an appreciation for the Liverpool of the 70s and 80s. I grew up watching them, mm. and they were just a magnificent team. And even watching Australian playing Craig Johnston in that side was just fantastic. But I've been really disappointed since the introduction of the EPL about how they've gone about it, especially with Man U just blowing them away, you know, every second year winning a, uh, you know, a title and Liverpool falling behind. It's been good under Brendan Rodgers in the, in the more recent past, uh, especially up until they had Suarez. Uh, they've been really good, but, uh, but this year's been disappointing. And uh, overnight, the one-all draw, or this morning, uh, the one-all draw against Basel, very disappointing at home. Uh, watched uh, the first half of that game and uh, really... They just they just lacked that cutting edge, and you know I had a big argument with Warren Diego the other night about why did Liverpool let Suarez go so easily. Now I know he now I know he had the biting incident and stuff like that, but he was the best player in the world. Um, you know he probably but he was going to go the year before that too, wasn't well, he? Well, yeah, but they, they, but they really what they did they 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 did something that big clubs don't do, and I thought it was it was the it was the uh, emergence of Liverpool again when they did this. He was sulking. You saw him at the MCG yeah, yeah. sulking. He wanted the, the move away. Uh, and Liverpool said, no, you can rot in the reserves until we're ready to. And so he came to his senses and became the best player in the world. And I thought that moment that Brendan Rodgers had that tough love with him, uh, that was the moment that this guy has got, went to the next level. And mm. he was fantastic last year. Uh, you know, when you've got a player like him leading from the front, even with sort of more average players around, you're going to get fantastic performances. And, uh, and but they let him go, and they just have they haven't got close to replacing him, and uh, and that's been really disappointing for them. Um, and really overnight again, they just uh, against Basel. I mean, Basel's are a clever team; they're well coached, uh, well structured up. They played well this morning, but you know Liverpool at home, you really you just expect them to win, especially a crunch game that will get them into the next round. And suddenly they're knocked out. Other results? Yeah, there are other other major results. I mean, Juventus a nil all draw against Atletico Madrid. We got Real Madrid four nil against Ludogorets, and Madrid just carry on. I think it's nineteen wins in a mm. row at the moment. Fantastic result. And the other one for Arsenal fans, and this is a you know Arsenal's teasing you all the time, but four one away win at Galatasaray. I mean, that's that's huge yeah. uh, for for them. Uh, it's always hard to go to uh, Galatasaray. I mean, there's a big sign at that stadium. I think the fans have it. Welcome to hell. Whenever you go to that ground, so uh, it's not easy playing there. But the big game tomorrow morning, I know there's other big games, but the big game tomorrow morning is a Roma. We talked about Roma, but uh, Roma versus Manchester City. Uh, a draw will be enough away from home for Manchester City to qualify for the next round, but it's going to be tough to, to do the business on Roma. And the teams that have actually qualified for the, uh, for the next round already, uh, we've got Atletico Madrid and Juventus out of Group A. They've gone through. We've got Real Madrid and Basel instead of Liverpool uh, have gone through in Group B. AS Monaco and Bayer Leverkusen, which is great for um, our boy uh, Robbie Cruz. They've gone through the next round. Of course, Borussia Dortmund and Arsenal have gone through. And, of course, all the others are going to vie 
uh, tomorrow. Bay Munich in Group E will go through. It's out of AS Roma and Manchester City, and uh, the other groups are pretty straightforward. Paris Saint-Germain and Barcelona will go through in Group F. And in Group G, uh, it's still a little bit tight. We've got Sporting uh, Lisbon and uh, Schalke vying for that second spot, but Chelsea will go through. And uh, in Group H, uh, Porto's already gone through, and uh, and I think uh, Shakhtar Donetsk will already go through. So it's been a pretty pretty clear-cut uh, group stage of the Champions League. Uh, cannot wait for the knockout. He's on that. Carlos, very quickly, five seconds. Melbourne City? Uh, three points is all they got. That's all. That's all. That's all they needed. That's all they got. End Let's be happy for them, yeah. Diego, tonight at 11 o'clock? Yes, magnificent Beautiful. show as always. Okay, news time. It's 2 o'clock.